Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast for Amazon sellers. In this episode, we want to discuss something that we speak a lot about with our Amazon sellers or with other Amazon sellers, because as small business owners who don't really see a physical business in front of them, we tend to lose sight of our true role within our company. So today we want to take some time to talk about how you, as a CEO of your company, should plan your day, weeks, years, and what actions you should be doing in your business. And this is going to be part of a multi-episode series. So we're going to really expand this out and make sure you guys understand how you can become a, an excellent CEO for your Amazon business in the years to come. Yeah, because, you know, as business owners um, and entrepreneurs, we wear lots of different hats, right? Um, especially when we first started out, we are marketing, innovation, supply chains, customer service, the troubleshooter, you know, the people getting on the phone with Amazon every time they bugger up your listing or whatever. And that literally can happen in a number of either minutes or hours in the day, right? So we're constantly changing hats, not physically, but that's actually not a bad idea is to have a, literally a hat with a <laughs> with a name on it so you know what you're supposed to be doing every day. And usually we're going to start out that way because we don't have the cash. Uh, we don't have the workload usually either to hire, you know, people on a regular basis to really kind of help us. But the problem is that it becomes when we actually want to actually scale the business, we've got so used to wearing all those different hats that it's really hard for us to see the woods for the trees and really stand back and see where we're actually heading with the business and putting the right building blocks in place to achieve the growth. Because quite rightly, when we first start out, we're thinking of what am I going to sell, right? How do I sell my business? I think that's probably about as far as we get, really. And that's where a lot of people stay is in this kind How am I going to make money? That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So how does this thing work, right? We're not really thinking of the long term of how we're actually, you know, going to build the business. And we do talk a lot about that in terms of setting that first and working backwards from that. So that's definitely something you should be doing as a, as a CEO. But this is why many people just get either burned out or just stuck really at a certain point in the business. It's almost, we cut, you know, this, this kind of idea of a glass ceiling is used a lot. I think it's actually used a lot for females for some reason, like there's this glass ceiling that we can't break through, but I think it's true for many new entrepreneurs you know, I think we all have this idea of getting to a million bucks, right? And a lot of us kind of stay there because it's almost like to go beyond that, you need a new set of skills, you need a new set of vision to be able to push past that ceiling, but we kind of get stuck because we're wearing all these hats, right? So what we really encourage is no matter what stage you're at in your business, you need to start thinking and acting like a CEO from day one. And day one, wherever you are in your business is today, right? So it doesn't matter if you're not at day one, literally in your business, day one is from, from now. And even though you've got to wear all those hats, just think of the hat that you're going to wear is the biggest and most important hat is the CEO. And that's the first hat that you're going to put on every morning. So if you can imagine you've got like physical hats that look all in your desk, you're like, all right, I'm going into the CEO department today. And then I'm going to the marketing department and the sales department. So just kind of visualize that in your day. And just thinking in that way is going to help you visualize the big picture of what you need to achieve. Do your CEO stuff first in the day 
and then basically pop on all the different hats that you need to pop on to deliver the plan. That's literally what you kind of need to do. It's like an out-of-body experience. So today what we're going to talk about, and as Isaac said, we're going to go in depth a lot of these in their own kind of series because we, we believe that this is so important to grow your business, not just on Amazon, but any business, that we felt that we needed to actually expand expand these out and, and specifically for an Amazon business as well. So yeah. the core things that we'll talk, touch on and talk about today is... From a CEO perspective, have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. You also want to set the vision for your company as well. Like, where is it going? Set the values for your company. That's kind of an area that not a lot of people think about. Also, long-term, you know, goal setting and planning. We we have talked a lot about that. We've got a lot of episodes on that as well. Analyzing and reviewing data metrics. Focus on the high-impact tasks or projects first. Make quick decisions based on research. Decision-making is key, especially as a CEO, because otherwise nothing happens, right? Networking and building relationships. Also developing your entrepreneurial mindset and how you continue to do that. Also free up your time so that you can do all the stuff above and make sure that you're accountable and also hold others accountable as well. And we're going to touch on all those key things today. Yeah. And, you know, we won't go super in depth on each thing today, like Kirstie just said, but we will actually separate these out per for like their own individual episodes and we'll kind of put them in a series for you guys. But let's first talk about the growth mindset versus fixed mindset and kind of just really get an, an idea of what this means. So when we talk about this, you know, it, it's the idea that if you have a growth mindset, you're willing to take your faults, take your, you know, lumps and losses and turn them into opportunities. Whereas if you have a fixed mindset, you're really stuck on the idea that if something goes wrong, you take it personally, you get defensive, you blame everything else and you don't take responsibility and you don't fix it and you don't make an opportunity out of it. So that's a fixed mindset. And it's funny because it says fixed, but it's not fixing anything. It's actually hurting you, right? It's actually doing the opposite of fixing anything because it's fixed. It's not moving. It's not changing. It's not it's not developing. So the growth mindset, when we talk about this, we're really talking about, you know, if you if you think about, you know, what your skills come from, a growth mindset will say, hey, my skills come from hard work and they can always improve. But a fixed mindset would say it's something you're born with. If you have skills, it's because you're born with it. You can't actually change that. Challenges might be for a growth mindset, something to embrace, an opportunity to grow. And it means to be more persistent on a challenge. So overcome that challenge. Whereas if you have a fixed mindset, it's something to avoid. It can reveal lack of skill, which then threatens you, right? Because if you if you show that you don't have the skill, then you, you tend to give, give up easily and you, and you recoil from that challenge. Whereas effort, growth mindset, you, you, you see it as essential and it's a path to mastery. The harder something is, you know, you know, the growth mindset thinks, oh, it's, it's, it keeps other people from getting to this thing really easily. So that means I can actually really set myself apart. Whereas a fixed mindset means, you know, effort should be unnecessary. If you're either good at it or you're not, it's something you can do. And, and if you're not, then just don't do it. Uh, and the feedbacks, uh, you know, kind of column, you think about growth mindset, it's useful. Feedback helps you grow. It's something you need to learn from and it, it helps you identify areas to improve. Whereas the fixed mindset, you get defensive, you take it personal, you don't implement it, and you just kind of you know, shy away from everything, changing anything, and you feel like you're right, you feel like you're smart enough, so everything else is, is, is not good feedback. It's just your feedback is the right thing, nobody else can help you, which obviously is not going to get you to where you want to go, it's going to keep you right where you're at. And then obviously with setbacks, that's for a growth mindset, you use it as a wake-up call to, to work harder next time, whereas fixed mindset in in you know, we know politicians like this, they are very loud and vocal on TV that blame others, they get discouraged when things don't go right. They'll they'll never take responsibility, they'll never be accountable. 
And all they'll ever do is, is shift everything away from them and say that somebody else was the reason why it didn't work or some, some other thing. Amazon shut my listing down and I had nothing to do with it. Well, maybe it was something you did do and you just didn't think it was going to happen. So these are all things that if you actually have the right mindset, you can overcome a lot in your business and you can actually move the business in the right direction. And great CEOs actually have that growth mindset. And I know it seems odd, but having the right mindset changes everything about you and your business. It's not just something that, like we say, if you don't have the right mindset, you will never grow in your business and you'll never grow as a person and as a CEO. So that is step one in our system of becoming a great Amazon CEO for your business. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, especially for this one. And, you know, if anybody's been listening to the podcast for a while, or if you're just starting to listen, go back and listen to some of the interviews that we've done. But I would say that I would say all of the people that we've interviewed that have successful businesses have the growth mindset, right? Maybe they had the fixed mindset at one stage, but they overcame it. And they're not a fixed mindset on everything, but maybe one or two things that were just holding them back. But just reframing it in the growth mindset, how would you call it, like perspective, it just totally changes the way you approach problems, the way you approach obstacles and roadblocks, right? Mm -hmm. And so the more you can kind of get into that and, and you know, where I'll be looking forward for us to doing that episode and maybe we can get some uh, people on as well to yeah. actually talk about how they how they change and switch. And I think it's human nature to be negative about certain things right away because it's just, it's, it's an ego thing, right? Everybody has an ego, how big or how small, it doesn't matter. But I think when your feelings get hurt or something doesn't seem like it's, like, or, or somebody seems like something's happening to you that you can't control. You really can control it, but human nature is to, to, is to shift the blame immediately and then try to focus on how to solve the problem as opposed to how to solve your perspective of the problem. Itself. Yeah. And I think this is where a lot of people feel fearful or feel unempowered, right? Is if you don't feel like you can do anything about the situation, then that's when you withdraw. That's when you decide to give up and, and do all that. So a good resource here, I've uh, read a book called Extreme Ownership, which is awesome. Um, it's actually something that we were taught a lot back in my corporate days. We used to have a lot of coaching around this stuff because, you know, as a manager or as a leader, you end up, sometimes you can either take on too much ownership for other people's stuff, which is never a good thing to do. Um, or you can blame others because you're like, well, it wasn't my job, so it never got done, right? And so the extreme ownership part is, is a balance of I will own what I need to own. And then I will also make sure that others own their part of what they need to own in the business, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a, it's a really good uh, mindset shift. It doesn't, extreme ownership doesn't mean that you have to own everything, but you have to be able to empower others to have their ownership as well. Um, so that's the, if you, once you've got that sorted, you can pretty much smash through anything. I think, um, not everything's perfect because you'll probably forget sometimes, but it's always good to switch yourself back. And then in terms of the actual business itself, the next thing you should really think about is setting the vision for your business. Now, a lot of people will be like, yeah, but I haven't got a product live yet. Or I've only got two products. Like, what does that actually mean? I sell stuff on Amazon. But you don't need to be saving the world right at this point, right? It's not like my vision is to bring water to every third world, you know, safe water to every third world country. Or even I watched a documentary the other night about Flint in um, in the yeah, bring US. Bring it to a first world country. <laughs> exactly. I was like, what? Anyway, a little bit of politics, mate, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, anyway, it doesn't have to be that, that big of a vision. But what we mean by this is just get clear on what is your company all about? Like, where is it going? Why are you doing it, right? 
And then over time, as you get more involved in it, you'll change that vision. But you need to set that because if you start to hire people, they need to know, well, what company am I actually working for? Why should I work for them? Um, So not only for yourself in terms of, okay, I know where I'm going, but also for the people that potentially you might hire, even if in your brain or your mind, you're like, yeah, but I'm only going to hire a VA for a few hours a week. You want the best VA, right? So they want to buy into the culture of what you're actually building. So some quick tips on how to think about vision. Again, we'll go into this in a lot more in-depth detail, but who are you serving in the in your company? Who is your ideal client? We talk about this when it comes to branding, but who is the type of person that you want to serve? If If you're serving someone that you're really not in touch with or you don't really like very much, you're probably not going to continue on in that business a lot, right? And we say this with branding, but it's this kind of the same thing for the company. We want you to have a vision for your company. If you don't like that vision, there's no point in being in it. So get clear on who do you serve? How do you serve them? What's the way that you serve them? Do you make their lives easier? How do you do that? Also, who would you like to work with in your business going forward? Well, who are the types of people? What kind of traits should they have? And where would you like to work? I know right now we're, we're all working virtually. But over time, maybe you want to have, I don't know, a conference every year where all your team gets together, or you might just get together by yourself and take all your different hats. But, you know, just kind of have a think about over time, what does the vision of the company look like and who are you actually serving? And as I said, when you first start, it's probably going to feel weird to you because you're not really in that mindset, but just we'll go through some exercises. A great um, resource here is Cameron Herald's Vivid Vision. Um, and he works on a three-year timeline, and that's a really kind of good grounding in terms of how to think about setting visions and stuff like that. We'll go through that in a lot more detail, but just because you might not even have the company yet doesn't mean to say that you can't think about what the vision should be. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like one of those things, you know, think about your think about your company as a team. If you guys want to win a championship, you have to have the goal of winning a championship. If you never say, here's our vision for what that championship success like, kind of looks like, you're never going to actually achieve it. So if you don't have the vision, you're not going to achieve it. So you got to attract people that are going to be around that vision as well, but you have to set that thing first. And that kind of pretty much segues into setting the values for a company because the vision is one thing. The vision is the goal, how you get there, who comes with you, what roles you need and all that good stuff. That's the vision. The values are the kind of moral compass that the company will take and it won't bend or break from those. So these are the values that basically guide your decisions. So are you going to, you know, be the cheapskate? Are you going to shortchange customers? Are you going to be, you know, the best customer service? What is your values? You know, that's going to determine a lot of the long-term success of your business as well. A really good kind of way just to get kind of started on this is just Google the phrase company values and see, you know, maybe pick five to 10 that resonate with you. So that way you can actually put them into your company, your brand and the people that, you know, that, that they're going to stand for everything that you stand for. And it's gonna be a lot more fun and, and drive the passion when you're aligned and your team are aligned to this. So now you have the goal of whatever that championship success type looks like. And then you have, you know, kind of like the offense and the defense, the values that are going to kind of basically, you know, here's our, here's our game plan every week. Here's our game plan for the year. These are the values that we're going to do. This is kind of our system that we're going to be around and we don't bend or break on these. This is how we are structured. And those things go hand in hand. And if you can deliver a very good vision and really good values, you're going to attract high level talent and you're actually going to be a lot more successful long-term. And we just know this because of all the companies that do this and do it well, 
they're going to be a lot more successful and their, their, their kind of rise to, to glory is actually talked about a lot more than the people that are just like, Hey, we're in this for the money. All we do is look at the profit. All we do is like check our margins and make sure that our sales are still going up and up. That's not any really good way to, to create a business. It's a good way to make money, but it's not a good way to create a long-term sustainable business, to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. Because you're going to have to work in this thing and, and you, you know that when something's off, right? You just know when you're not aligned to it and you might not realize it's usually because it's against your values, right? So one value might be work-life balance, right? Okay. That might be a value that you own as a company. Um, so whether you're then, you know, developing products that deliver work-life balance for your customer but also that your team has a work-life balance, that you have a work-life balance. I'm not saying that needs to be one of your values, but if that was one, you can see how it would permeate right from what types of products that you sell, who you serve, and how that comes right through the business. Also things like continuous improvement. If you're always continually improving stuff, you know, you're not just gonna launch three products on Amazon your customer might give you a lot of feedback. Loads of customers give you lots of feedback on how you can make that product better. But you're like, nah, I can't bother doing that. There's no point in me doing that, right? So continuous improvement would be at odds with, you know, what the customer is telling you to do. So just think of it that way. It really does guide, as Isaac said, you know, your principles and your decision-making in the business. And actually when you get those things sorted and clear, what everything else that we're going to talk about is going to be a lot easier for you to do it. So the next one is actually long-term goal setting and planning. Usually that's kind of where, you know, if, if we're kind of halfway, halfway on the CEO hat, that's usually where a lot of people start is the long-term planning, but without kind of the vision and the value setting and the growth mindset, obviously um, it's kind of a halfway house, right? So having those core things done up front, the long-term and long-term and goal-setting planning is a lot easier. So with this, you need to know obviously where you're headed and that you're doing the right stuff every day. And this is where we, we see a lot of people overwhelmed because they don't have that long-term goal, because they don't have a plan that's going to get them there. They tend to do a lot of stuff that they don't need to do. And I see it all the time. I even see it with people. They set the plan and then one month in, they've kind of slipped back and started doing all this other shit that they didn't need to do. I see it yep. time and time again. Right? It's like, why are you doing that? It's new Was it on resolutions your plan? all over again, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, I don't know what it is. It's kind of like hoarding, hoarding stuff that you need to do, right? So you need to set the plan. And the core thing to do this is, you know, do your SMART goal first. We've got the vision. That's the longer term piece. The SMART goal is going to be usually 12 months. So let's just set what that is. Again, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. So we've got a whole podcast on that as well, right? So set that SMART goal so that you know exactly how much money you're going to make, how you're going to do it, and what does it mean to you? And that's the relevant part. Why do you want to actually achieve that goal? And you put part of your why in there. And then what you need to do is just choose the core things that are going to get you to that goal, right? Not all the things that you think you should do. You literally want to plan out Okay, if I'm doing this project, that is going to bring me $500,000 this year in sales. It's going to bring me $100,000 in profit, $50,000 in income. You need to know of everything, 
literally build it up what that's how that's going to get you to that smart goal if you don't know then it shouldn't be on your plan it's as easy as that so when people come to us and they're like yeah but i've got this uh, it's funny because we'll talk we'll say okay these are the core things that you need to do and then we find out later well we're actually you know i'm doing facebook ads over here and i'm doing um google ads and i'm doing i'm doing influencers and so the first question we ask is well how much is that going to basically get you to that million dollars that you want to make um well, I don't know. Okay. We need to find out exactly what those core metrics are because otherwise, why are you doing it? Um, so it'd be interesting to, if you're listening to this, just have a think to yourself. Yeah, I kind of do that. There's probably loads of stuff on your list that you have no idea how it's going to get you to that goal. So take it off the list. As an Amazon business owner, it's pretty easy to work out from a product level how much that's going to get you to the income goal. You know, It's usually products, driven by Amazon PPC um, and, a, and a solid core launch strategy, you're going to know how much that's going to bring you each month. So just focus on the high impact things that you know have got an, a monetary value attached to them that's going to get you to the goal. And that brings me to, you know, you really want to get really good at forecasting, which is essentially figuring out which products are actually going to get you there. And also budgeting for the growth of your business as well and how much it's going to cost you to get there as well. Um, because as we know, cash flow is more critical than your profit margin. So you need to kind of work all those metrics out in your business so that you know exactly how you're actually going to hit that goal. And then you've got the, the top line smart goal. You want to be able to build shorter plans. So working in 90 day chunks um, to figure out what am I going to do in the next 90 days that's going to take me closer to that bigger goal. And then from the 90 days, you want to kind of break that down again into what am I going to do this week? And literally, what am I going to do today um, to be able to hit that goal as well? Now, that is a big chunk of stuff that you need to do as a CEO. And that's probably literally the most time that you need to spend in your business is on that stuff. Because the execution part is a lot simpler when you've got the plan humming and, and, and going as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people are really good at to-do lists. And this yeah. is where the to-do list come from, right? So you have to figure out what you're trying to achieve and then you get this to-do list. And I just wanted to point out something you, you mentioned about doing the highest impact stuff that, you know, that can, obviously we want to do the lowest effort, but we want the highest impact, even if it's going to take a little bit more effort. So it's kind of like, I'm not going to use, you know how I like to use analogies and metaphors. I'm going to use an analogy here. And it would be like if you're trying to lose weight and you say, okay, there's, there's a hundred different types of ways I can lose weight. The first way I'm going to lose weight is by blinking 30% more times per day, because that's obviously clearly going to burn more calories, right? So if I just keep blinking 30% more often than I do now, that'll help me lose weight. Yeah, but it's probably not the high, most highest impact. It's probably one of the lowest effort, but it's probably not get you that impact, right? So you kind of have to balance this out, right? So what's maybe the next lowest um, effort, maybe a, a bit higher impact, maybe walk up and down your stairs 10 times a day. That, that's that's a lot more impactful. It's not much more effort, but it's a lot more impactful. Maybe go walk around the neighborhood, maybe jog around the neighborhood, maybe lift some weights, all this kind of stuff, right? So there's going to be extra levels of, of effort, but they're not probably so high of effort that it's going to stop you from actually achieving a high impact goal. So don't just think what's the least amount that I can do and try to get a, a, an impactful goal. It has to match up with the actual impact, right? Um, blinking 30% more <laughs> in your life isn't probably going to get you to lose weight very fast. I'm going to say <laughs> that would, if you could actually make that work, <laughs> that would be a billion dollar idea. Exercise you plan. <laughs> <laughs> You're shot there like that. <laughs> 
Well, there was that one guy way back in the day who who advocated for chewing more, right? So he said like you have to chew, <laughs> like, you have to chew everything like sixty times before you swallow it or something, and that would lo- help you lose weight. I was like, honestly, it just make me want to stop eating. So yeah, it probably would make me lose weight. Yeah, I think that's what it is, right? So you don't stuff it in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I suppose a real life version of that analogy is hit training, which yeah. is exactly what it is, right? So high impact, high interval intensity training. Yeah. So. It is actually a short amount of time, but you literally die in 15 minutes versus basically giving yourself an hour to kind of do slow burn stuff. Um, I love HIIT training. It's brilliant. Yeah. So it's that type of thing you want to be thinking about. I mean, it's, you're going to be knackered at the end of it, but you're going to have a longevity to the, to the high intensity. So yeah. that's exactly what you want to be doing. Yeah. And then obviously, once you have your plan and you built that stuff out, you have to analyze and review it and then work towards making it better. So like if you if you forecast it and you didn't hit everything that you hit for your forecast, then you have to ask yourself, well, what did work? What's gonna actually, what can I do to fix that? Maybe I didn't hit everything, but the things that did work, I'm gonna keep doing those. The things that didn't work, I'm gonna try to fix and solve those, right? And that comes back to knowing and understanding your key metrics for the business that helps you, you know, guide decisions, how to optimize the business and the products, how to actually move forward. And you can't just say, okay, well, here's what I think. Literally, data provides you a lot of that evidence. And it's not just like, you know, uh, a, a fake news type scenario where like, oh, this data is saying this, but I don't really believe it. Like, it's saying that because that's what's actually happening in your business. You can't deny it. It's data. It's customer trends. It's the conversion rates. It's your sales. It's your, you know, reviews, your rankings, everything. It's telling you here's what your trend is versus, you know, what the what it used to be or it can be and how you should fix it. So if you understand your metrics, you can actually leverage that to make key decisions quickly and optimize your business to higher levels of performance. And this is something that we do all, all day, like in our business, it's, a, it's like the thing that we do first, figure it out and then kind of action that plan out immediately. And then we do this every quarter and that's what we recommend you guys do as well. Yeah. And, you know, we've just been talking about the high impact projects, but this is what you need to do first every day right and so the reason we say that is because usually those are the things that kind of get put on the back burner because we wake up in the morning maybe we've got a i don't know a performance alert or somebody on a facebook group somewhere has said that amazon's doing something again so we all get sucked into that vortex um and worry about it right (laughs) for a week until we realize actually it didn't really mean that um so don't get sucked into that the idea is don't even don't look at your emails. Don't look at Amazon. Um, you've already got your plan and you want to get done the biggest thing first. And then you can get sucked into the vortex if that's what you want. We still highly recommend you don't. But usually if you've got the biggest boulder moving, then everything else is going to move, right? Yeah. And then the next thing you want to think about is, you know, if if you're not doing that right now, a really good exercise to do is to just literally say to yourself, how much am I actually worth in my business? as a CEO right now. So here's a quick task or a quick little um, thing that you can do. Just literally write down what you normally do in a day, right? You can do a full-on reverse to-do list, as said by Peter Shalad, um, which is essentially all you do is review the day that you've just done and just write the tasks down and try and like group them into hours if you can. Um, and you just attribute an hourly rate to them. So for instance, um, you answer, you went onto Facebook and you looked in all the Facebook groups. How how long did that actually take? Two hours, three hours a day, maybe half an hour a day, whatever that is. 
how much do you get paid to do that, right? Now, I would suggest if you work in a corporation, you'd be fired if, you, if you're on yeah. Facebook. So right? imagine if you paid somebody else to do that. How often, how long would you pay them to do that before you said this isn't worth paying them to do that? Yeah. Now, you might say to yourself, yeah, but I'm gathering competitor intelligence. Maybe, or I'm gathering industry knowledge. Well, maybe, but do you have to do that every day? Probably not. Is that a once a week task? Is that, can you hire someone else to do that task? But I would say it's definitely a $5 task or even a $2 task, right? You don't need to be on that every day. But here, um, here's, a, here's a tip on that because Tim Ferriss actually says this in his, in his book for our work week. He says, I don't read the newspaper. I don't watch the news. I find the smartest person I know and ask them what were the highlights of the day. And they'll tell me in five minutes what I need to know. That's what I do. I ask my husband. <laughs> i'm like ain't nobody got time for it yeah, yeah exactly and, and he's pretty he's good at like seeing both sides yeah. so that i get a well-rounded view i don't get any opinion i get like a, a fair and balanced view. exactly so yeah that's pretty good <clears throat> that's a good it's a very good tip um but yeah don't don't talk to some nuttos <laughs> something because you could end up down in a different rabbit hole right yeah um but yeah, so go, do that exercise. It'll be very telling. And then what? just think about what you actually should be doing as a CEO. And just think for the future, how much should you be getting paid to run a six or a seven, a seven or an eight-figure business, right? How much should you get paid for that? What's your hourly rate? You know, what's your yearly salary? And then compare the two and you'll be like, oh yeah, there's a reason why I'm not, I'm not there right now, right? Yeah. So like I said, you do have to wear the other hats. I'm not saying that you have to go out and like chuck everything in, but you want to limit the amount of time that you're definitely getting sucked down the, your fired tasks to the $10 tasks. And then you want to make sure that, you know, that your hourly rate is consistent with what you're doing every day. And it's a really good exercise to do. Even if you've done it before, just keep, keep doing it every quarter because you'll find that you're probably doing stuff that you really shouldn't be doing. Oh yeah. I guarantee almost everybody listening to this is doing something in their business right now that is not beneficial to their business and they can stop doing it immediately and just their business business would benefit immensely. Yeah. So the next thing I think, and this is, this is possibly one of the most important, and it sounds like it might not be, but the next thing we want to talk about is making quick decisions based on research. I will say this, almost everybody at some point gets paralyzed with fear about making a decision in their business. You have to get over that. Because your business will not grow and nobody will follow you as a leader if you are paralyzed with fear to make decisions. You have to be a decision maker. That is, you know, I think it was George Bush. He says, I'm the decider. I'm the decider. So you have to be the decider in your business. Basically, what you want to do is you don't ever, you're never going to get 100% perfect data that's going to tell you exactly what to do. If you can get 70% of the data, and that's pretty much good enough, like get 70, 75% clear on what the data is telling you, then execute it. Learning is one of the biggest growth strategies in your business. So what you have to do is you, the only way you can learn is not by gathering more data and trying to find that solution before implementing it. It's actually by executing it, testing it, and then redoing it again and again and again. So that way you actually get to the point where it's a working, you know, functional thing that's working as close to perfectly as possible. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. If everything was perfect, you'd be a millionaire already. And you wouldn't even be listening to this podcast. You wouldn't be listening to any podcast. You'd be you know, sitting on a yacht somewhere, probably on a beach and, and just be doing their own podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could own a podcast company of like some sort. You could be a conglomerate. That's perfect life, right? But no, 
Not everything's going to work out perfectly. Get 70% of the way there and then execute it, test it, do it again, test it, do it again. And just keep doing that until you actually get as close to perfect as you can get. Yeah. And this, this really is on, I mean, especially, you know, with the Amazon business, but you know, it's very, it's very clear metrics, right. Which is awesome. Like you get daily metrics that you can execute on pretty much instantly, which is, I think that's, yeah. it's brilliant. Um, but one thing that I've learned recently is, you know, that, that thing of executing to get data to learn, right. So there's a cost up front, whether it be in your time, whether it be in money. And I think this is where a lot of people freeze especially when it comes to advertising and things like that on ppc because you're you're afraid to put the cost in because you're thinking you need the results straight away whereas all you're going to be end up doing is learning and you're kind of investing up front to get the learnings quicker so that's that's how you have to think about things in your business is it's an investment now so that i use the data to learn quicker so that i get a better result in a shorter amount of time so that's how you got to think about these things, guys. It, it's not going to work. Every, it's not. You just know that it's not going to work perfectly every time. Yeah. Um, and then really, you know, we were talking about going down rabbit holes and stuff like that on Facebook, but networking is still important. And so is building relationships, but it's really about building the right relationships. So, you know, don't just hang out with a bunch of people because they kind of tell you that they've been selling on Amazon. Right. I think just kind of be discerning in what you need to know for your business and your growth and then find and seek those people that can help you deliver that, right? You're not an island. You're not, you know, we all grow better together. We generally learn better together. But learning from people that uh, haven't been where you want to go can actually put you backwards, yeah. And by that, we see it a lot, not just in the Amazon space, but in all business spaces. You want encouragement, of course. You definitely want someone to build you up and encourage you and move you forward. But, you know, if you can't find that within yourself, then it's really difficult to even grow a business anyway, because usually you're going you're gonna to end up on your own at some point, right? So number one, you need to find that fire within. But also you want to be able to focus on the things that are going to get you to where you want to go. And sometimes if you're if you're in a group or with pe- certain people and either and here's a telltale sign, they're either moaning a lot about what doesn't go right or they've not done what you want to do and they're not positive in their outlook and they blame everybody else. So they're really in that fixed mindset. And we've all been in those groups. So I know you probably listening to this going, yeah, I know, I know that person. <laughs> It's not your job to fix that person either, right? You want to move forward and it's not about, you know, just cutting people off. But basically, if you reduce your time that you spend with those types of people and increase your time with the people that are going to either build you up, but also put you on the right path, you're going to come on in leaps and bounds because um, we all just don't want to sit and hang out together and moan together, right? That's what we used to do when we worked in our corporate jobs, (laughs) moan about the organization. Um, You want to find the people that are doing stuff, moving forward, learning exactly everything that we've just talked about above. Yeah. And I will say there's that, there's that age old phrase of your network is your net worth. And I'll say there's some truth to that, but I'll say there's a lot of bullshit to that as well, because if those people that are in your network aren't helping you grow then they are not helping your net worth at all. So you need to find the people in a network that can actually build you up and not just take you down or waste your time or, you know, 
just string you along all these other things. You know, there's all these like Amazon groups out there that are like, Hey, join the cool group. Basically like, let's do this. Let's do that. We'll show you how to like get this thing. And then you get in there and they're really not showing you anything. They're just talking about themselves and talking about how they've done something. And then they don't help you in any sort of way. That's not a network. That is you being a groupie. And unfortunately that happens a lot in the Amazon circles because we know this because we go to conferences. We see this all the time. People literally just go to have a good time, learn nothing about their business, hang out with people, feel like they've they've connected with people, but they're not moving themselves forward because they're not actually doing anything. You don't get better at business by osmosis. Basically, by hanging out with somebody, you don't get their skill set. You have to actually have them show you what they're doing. If they're not willing to do that, then that network and that relationship doesn't mean much. So keep that in mind because you can get very dangerous with your network and your relationships very quickly. And you can find yourself being either trapped in a situation where you're kind of having to pay a bunch of money every time you need help. Or the, the fact of the matter is you're not actually getting any help. And no matter how much you pay or what you do to befriend these people, they're just not going to help you. So be careful of that. I just want to make sure that you understand there's a difference between your network and people who are actually going to help you. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, exactly. And look, you know, look around for different things. So once you've got, you know, you've got your vision set, you've got your value set, finding networks that help you across all those areas is really cool as well. So don't just always think tactical, you know, think how can I, you know, make my growth mindset better or how do I get healthier? You know, that's all about network to be able to, you know, improve yourself as well in business. You have to find a result. If you don't find a result out of the, that, that network or that relationship, I mean, it's it's got to be mutually beneficial too. Like you've got to provide something. They've got to provide something. That's how friendships work. That's how everything works. If it's one-sided, it's not something that's healthy and you should stop that. So then the next thing I think that we, you know, I would say this is probably the single biggest difference between myself 10 years ago and myself now is you have to develop your entrepreneurial mindset. Read books, get a mentor seek advice, ask for help, grow. Don't think you're right. These are things that fixed mindset people do, right? Like if you just think you're right, if you just think that things are going to be better, you'll just work harder at it. And if it doesn't work, it's because something else went wrong. Develop your entrepreneurial mindset. Get yourself some books. I don't care what book you start with. You know, I have some of my favorite ones are Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, The the Slide Edge by Jeff Olson, um, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I mean, it was funny because I was actually kind of doing everything in the four hour work week and then building towards that before I ever read the book. And I read the book and I was like, holy crap, that's exactly what I want to do. So this is, this is kind of, he just wrote the book that I hadn't happened to read yet, but everything I'd been doing up to that point had led me to his book. And it was like, this is exactly right. Like every single thing he's saying on all these pages is making me feel like I've done things to, to this point in the right way. So that way I can kind of understand that I'm, I'm growing as an entrepreneur. And that's kind of what you want to do. You want to seek people that are actually giving you this advice, read the books. You know, if you have to, we, you know, we pay for mentors. We, I'll tell you right now, we've paid, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars in the last few years to help get us over certain hurdles and and finding people to help us do that who are already in that position. So just because, you know, some people might see us as successful doesn't mean that we ever stop learning. It doesn't mean we ever stop growing. We're doing this every single month, every single year. Kirsty, actually, I think you have like two or three mentors right now, essentially that you're currently actively involved with. Yeah, I got three mentors. And then the, I think the total value, well, not the value, but the total cost is 60 grand for the year. Yeah. Or maybe a bit more than that. 
obviously the value is a lot higher. We, you know, we've gained a lot more from that. Yeah. And that's the key thing about a mentor. It's not about the cost of what it costs you right now. It's what's the value that you're going to get from working with that mentor. Um, could be in dollars, obviously. Could be in mindset. Could and that which will eventually lead to dollars. I mean, I pay for a personal trainer every day on Zoom. That costs me what a thousand bucks a month or something, right? Like. You know, so that's another mentor. You know what I mean? Because I wouldn't get out, out of bed and do it every day by myself, especially mm. in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. you, you got out there in the snow. I saw the picture of you that your husband took and you're out there. Yeah. I don't know if you're jogging or walking or what that was, but I it was, was... it got me when I was walking and I was just about to, to go <laughs> to jog. Yeah. It was a minus 20 snow blizzard. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. That was my own personal mentor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So of course, those are all the CEO tasks, right? It's like, oh my God, there's so much to do there, right? So what the other key thing that you need to start thinking about as a CEO is freeing up your time to be able to do all the stuff that we've just talked about, right? So again, it's not going to be from day one, but you want to think about hiring what we call an A plus talent team that can do things better than you, right? Are you the best customer service person in the world? I would say maybe you're really good at it, but could someone do it actually better than you and do it on time and do it, you know, to the time frame that the customer wants. So just because you can do it doesn't mean to say that you should do it. Right. And so always be thinking about how, well, who's my next hire, but hire someone who is better than you at the thing that you're doing, because that's how you're able to grow. Because yeah, if I, I was just going to say like, if you truly believe that you are the best at something, prove it by hiring somebody and making sure that they're as good or better than you. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I mean, I know how to work with the customer, but also do I want to spend my time doing it? Is exactly. that my best talent, right, exactly. at doing that? Um, so, you know, it's, sometimes it is hard to, to think, yeah, but, you know, I haven't got enough money in the business right now. What should I do? But you still got to think as a CEO, we'll go back to those $10 tasks. Are you better off spending your time on a $100 task, a $1,000 task, a $10,000 task? Yes, you are. Versus someone that could literally come in, do the job better than you for 10 bucks. <laughs> so that's how you have to think about it. You also want to build a team and processes that help you get out of that day-to-day -day as soon as possible. You, again, like we said, you want your brain on the highest value tasks. And you want to be accountable and hold others accountable as well. So once you start to build that team, of course you need yourself to be accountable because you have to actually get the stuff done. But sometimes I think when we start to hire people, we forget that we have to hold others accountable. Now this doesn't mean to say that you need the timesheets and you know you need them to clock in and clock out. That's not what we mean. We mean this by setting objectives that align to the goals of the business, that then align to the vision of the business and that they understand their part in delivering that goal. So first-class customer service basically would mean a retention potentially of a customer. They might buy something else from you. They'll also give you a five-star review, even if they've had a problem. And sometimes those are the best ones. Once they've had a problem, you fixed it. They're going to wax lyrical about how awesome you are as a company. And then they're going to tell all their friends, right? So that's how a customer service person, VA, whatever, can deliver big value and vision to the company. So don't just think these are just people that live somewhere else and you're just going to give them some crap to do. Always think about, you know, what's the value that they're going to bring to the business and let them know that that's what their value is. Yep.
Yeah. And then obviously the last thing that we always want to make sure that you as a CEO are doing is being accountable in your business and holding others accountable. This is a huge thing that if you don't understand that this is one of the key concepts of leadership, then you're probably running failed businesses. You have failed relationships with other people and nobody really likes you. I can name a very specific famous person who is very known for not being accountable for his own actions and, and not holding others accountable for their actions and just blaming everybody other than themselves. I won't name names. Let's just say that person's been impeached twice. Um, now, you have to have very clear objectives from your planning and check in with each person in your business, your mentor, yourself, and you have to do the same thing for everybody around you, right? So you have to know, what was I supposed to get done? What was my team supposed to get done? How are we supposed to accomplish that? Did we hit our goals? Why didn't we hit our goals? Did we hit our goals and exceed our goals? Why did we exceed our goals? These are the things you have to be asking yourself every single week, every single month, every single quarter, and every single year. Because if you can't stay accountable to actually why you're doing this stuff and hold other, others accountable with the same level of accountability you have, and they can't hold themselves accountable, then you know that there's not going to be a very good working relationship here. It's going to be just one of those finger pointing games where it was like, I didn't, I couldn't get done because something else happened and, and that person didn't hold their weight. And it's like, come on now, like at some point, the, the, the bull crap has to stop and you just have to say, look, we missed the mark here. Something happened. We, did, we can explain what happened, but we can't explain why we didn't overcome it. So now we have to actually fix that. We just need to get it done. There's sometimes where, you know, accidents happen, mistakes happen. You can't explain why they happened. You overslept, something didn't get done on time. You, you fell asleep at work. You missed something, whatever. There's things that happen. You have to then just take responsibility for it, accept it, do everything you can to fix that as soon as possible, and then move yourself forward People will actually start to respect you a lot more when you do that kind of stuff. They won't think that you're some sort of, you know, false leader or, you know, you know, hot air balloon that's just spewing out garbage that they don't have to really listen to. When you don't hold yourself accountable, nobody else will either. Nobody's going to hold themselves accountable. Your business will fall apart very quickly. Yeah, I think one thing that we forget, especially as you start to, to grow the business, um, is and start to build a team up, you know, we forget that we're actually human, right? And so I think a lot of uh, team members really appreciate it if, like, we, we're all about real, right? So if you're, you know, a real person, you actually show that that vulnerability, you show that you're real to the rest of the team. It does not mean that you're weak or that, you, you know, you're showing weakness or anything like that. It really just shows that you're a real person who's trying to grow this business and you want everyone to be on the same bus if you like or the same boat as you to be able to get that done so just because you might not know how to do something but you feel like you need to show everyone that you know exactly how it, how it should be done it's better if you don't do that because guess what some people in the team might actually know how to do that thing and they're like oh yeah I know how to do that I can help you with that and so don't ever feel like and, and again even if you don't have a team just generally in life if you don't know how to do something don't feel you know, bad about the fact that you don't know, the more questions you ask, the more, um, the more you're actually going to learn, obviously. Um, but yeah. the more also, also that your team is going to almost like trust you as a real person, right. Yeah. To, to be able to be vulnerable enough to seek for help, but also they'll know that you're going to be able to lead them in the right way as well. Yeah. And almost with everything on earth, if, if you don't know the answer, somebody else out there does, or at least has a good idea of how to get to the closer to the goal that you have. 
Now, there are worldwide and universal mysteries that we can't explain, black holes, quantum physics, that kind of stuff. It's outside of our realm of conception. But when we're talking about business, it's usually not that complicated. It's usually just about focusing on the goal, your high impact task, and then making sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to get done and doing it in a timely manner. So that is business-like in a nutshell. What we just kind of glazed over on the overview of today is how to be a better CEO in a nutshell. That's kind of the the overview, the cliff notes of everything. Again, we are going to dig into these in a multi-part series. So that way you guys get more and more better, deeper understanding about these things. But just to recap, the, the 11 things that we talked about today was number one, your growth mindset over of a fixed mindset. Number two, set a vision for your company. Number three, set the values for your company. Number four, you know, produce long-term goal setting and planning, you know, structures and strategies and processes and put that in place. Then analyze and review them. That's number five. Number six is focus on the high impact projects first. So prioritize things. Don't just do them willy-nilly and, and burn yourself out and never get to those high impact projects. Number seven, make quick decisions based on research. The quicker you make decisions, the, the, the faster you can implement things and test them, right? Number eight, network and build relationships, but focus on the right network and relationships. Work with people who can help you build yourself up and you build them up. Number nine, develop your entrepreneurial mindset. Big, big thing. That's the difference for you know successful entrepreneurs and people who are just muddling through life. Number 10, free up your time to do all of the above. So that way you don't have to do all the little menial tasks in your business. You know, customer service isn't menial in any sense of the word. However, you don't need to be doing it because somebody else can be doing it. Somebody can be doing it better than you. And you could have a much better business if you pass off those tasks. Number 11, be accountable and hold others accountable. It's highly important that that's one of your business values for yourself and for your team, because otherwise your business will fall apart. And again, guys, we will go more in depth with these things ongoing. And so just follow this uh, podcast, subscribe to it. So that way, you know, when these episodes are going to air, so you can really dig into these concepts and make sure you understand them. And remember, guys, now that you're armed with this information, it's your job to implement it into your business and grow your business through action. If you actually want to get some free training on what it takes to have a successful business to fuel your lifestyle, head to www.goteamreal.com to download our free training today. And we'll see you next week for the next Sprint to Profit episode. And as always, we wish you the best for you and your business. And bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.